This is week three of the series that we get to do this. And uh, it crossed out is we have to do this because so oftentimes we feel like these are things we have to do, especially we, we go to church, we learn, so, okay, I got to go do this and I got to do that and I got to do that. It's an attitude change. It's not that we have to, it's that we get to. Why? Because this is a blessing for us. And the previous two weeks, Shaheen talked about being involved in, in, with people, being with others. Big group, small group, both are very, very beneficial to our lives. That We don't have to go to church on a Sunday. We get to go to church on a Sunday where we get to get filled and, and connections and, and challenged and see one another and encouraged by one another. And we get to be, we are blessed and we are benefited us and others are when we do this. It's the same with small groups. Small groups has a little different design, but we are, we're the ones that get the benefit of going to a small group and we benefit others. It's not that we have to go to a small group. We get to go to a small group where we are challenged and where we grow, we can ask questions and we can, you know, be like, uh, you know, I guess challenge others and we can be challenged and it's just, it's a growth process for us. So, we don't have to, we get to. Today's probably a little bit more challenging, a little bit harder to understand, and, and that is this. We get to serve in the mission. We get to volunteer, be a part, and serve in this mission that God has, has called us to, that God's doing in this world. But even as we hear that, we think, Wait, really? We get to do that? Like, that doesn't sound like a, a get to. But really, it is a get to, to be, to be involved and be, you know, I, I guess, connected and, and engaged in it. As a matter of fact, just uh, two weeks ago, we have a men's Friday morning breakfast here every week for, for guys that can make it. And the teacher of this, his name is Rick. He's been doing it for 10 years plus, I don't know, really a, a long time. But he's been going to church longer than that. And two weeks ago, he said this. He said, you know, Kevin, I wouldn't be going to this church if I wasn't doing this Friday morning breakfast. Uh, you S-O- greatness okay what 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 do you think you're better than us and his point was this he said you know what this this being engaged is what keeps me here being engaged having responsibility doing something that i prepare every week to teach this friday morning thing and engage the other guys but but i am involved i'm engaged i have responsibilities he said that's what keeps me going and and, and you know what as weird as that sounds we all can identify with that Every one of us know what it's like to be a part of something that we're not engaged in or to be a part of something that we are engaged in. Imagine for a minute uh, your job. Imagine going to your job where you had no purpose. I'm just showing up. Hi, I'm here. Good, fine. Where should I stay? I don't care. Wait, if, can you imagine going to your job where you had no responsibility? You had nothing to do. Nobody is counting on you. You're not adding anything. You literally are not engaged at all. You're just there. Now, I know some would say, oh, I'd love to get the paycheck. But I would challenge you. Honestly, most of us, we would do that for a little while. And then we would start feeling, we would be feeling horrible. I can't get a paycheck for not doing anything. I, can't, I, need, to, I need to have my part. I need, I need to do that. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine your marriage. If you're married. How would you still be married if you had no engagement in that? If, if you weren't engaged, in your, if you had no role to play in your marriage, okay, you're, you're married, I have, I have no role, I have no responsibility, I, I have nothing really to add to this marriage, I'm just, I'm just here. 
It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work for you, and it wouldn't work for your spouse, either one. We have to have this engagement to be involved. We've got to apply ourselves. We've got to be, we, we got to be a part of, of things in our life. We all do. Imagine this, last, last scenario. Whatever your sport is. So my sport is, is hunting. I, I love to hunt. And uh, imagine this. It's, so my time of the year is coming up, right? When I wake up and it's cold outside, I'm just loving it. Imagine this. Would I hunt if I wasn't able to have a bow or a rifle? Would I hunt if I couldn't really harvest anything? Would I hunt if I couldn't sit in a tree or walk through the mountains? Would, would I hunt if I couldn't engage in it? If I couldn't be a part of it? Would I? Would I? I could just see myself. Yep, I'm hunting. I can't do that. You couldn't either. Really, if you're a golfer, watch this stance. Hold your fingers like that. Swing, eye on the ball, swing and follow through. Isn't that good? I should be a golfer. If you're a golfer, but you couldn't engage in the activity, if you couldn't take part in it, if you just, I go out to the golf course and I stand there, would you keep golfing? Well, of course not. Whatever our hobby is, we need to be engaged in what we're doing. It's a part of human nature that we have to engage in things to be a part of things, to even feel good about ourselves. It's no different with this church thing, with this bigger than just church thing, this, this Christian mission, this, this, this whole idea of what God has called the church to do and to be a part and what we're supposed to accomplish and achieve and to not be a part of that is the same thing. There's something missing in here. There, we, we get great value when we engage and we are a part of what's going on. Jesus himself said that this, this whole Christian message thing, he told his followers when he was leaving and leaving this up to human beings, leaving it up to us, he said, I want you to go throughout the whole world. I want you, you to carry this message. I'm trusting you. And it wasn't just the 12, obviously. He's talking about Christians, uh, Christians. I'm entrusting you, Christian people, to bring this message further. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, that Jesus has reconciled us to God. And he has now given us this ministry of reconciliation, pleading with everybody to be reconciled to God, that he's calling on all Christians to be involved in this message of reconciliation. Jesus Christ did all he did so that we could be connected to God. And, it, it's, and it's inclusive. It's all of us. But so oftentimes, especially in this whole church setting, we think that it's just left up to a few. We'll support it, which thank God that, you know, Christians support the, the, the mission. But more than support it, I think sometimes we think, well, it's just up to the, whoever's on the platform or some key leaders in the church. And, and I know that's what we think because it seems like, well, it just keeps going, you know, and I haven't been engaged or a lot of people aren't engaged in it or serving in it, but it still goes. So it must just be up to these people. But biblically speaking, the Bible addresses this very, very clearly that the Apostle Paul says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He did give these leadership things. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. But here's what we miss sometimes. Their responsibility, their job is to equip God's people, us, to do the work uh, and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
that yeah, yeah, there's church leaders and there, and there's people who teach and stuff, but the whole point is that this is so that every single one of us will learn how to do, learn to engage, and how to engage. Every one of us would do our part in this whole mission thing and serving in it. It's where there, there's no Christian that's just like, ah, I'm not included. No, God's desire. God wants us all to be included. And thank, thank you, Father, that I have a purpose, that I can be engaged in this thing. It's important for me, and it's important for us to be engaged in this thing, Christian mission. And the Apostle Paul, a couple times in Scripture, he talked about it in, in Romans and also in 1 Corinthians, and he, he, he refers to it as the body of Christ, like our body. He says this, Just as our bodies have many parts, then each part has a, spe- a special function, special. So it is with Christ's body. He's making this complete analogy. Our body is same with the church, the body of Christ. We are many people, many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other in this grace that God has given us different gifts uh, for doing certain things well, that we're all gifted to do things better than others. We can all do some things, but some better than others. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then do it. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. This is interesting how he kind of puts this as, hey, listen, this is a body of Christ, and we are all members to one another. Have you ever heard this, the statement that, hey, if, if one suffers, everybody suffers? You've seen it in your family. You've seen it in, in football teams or whatever. If, hey, if one person fails, everybody fails kind of a thing. We're all connected and we are members of this body. We are in this thing together that we have a certain responsibility to each other. I have a responsibility to you to do my part. And you have a responsibility to me to do your part if we are going to be effective in this mission. And he goes on and he just says, there's a lot of different parts. And just think each one of us, like as if I read this, this isn't an exhaustive list, but where are you unique? Every one of us are unique. We all have different talents or abilities. Our, our character, our personalities are different. He said, if your gift is serving others, then do it well. Hey, what I, well, if you can do something, do it. Do it well. Do it with everything you got. Uh, if you are a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, man, we need that so much, then be encouraging. Basically, all this, whatever your gift is, then do it. Do it. Do it good. Get, it, get involved and, and get engaged in this. And if it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, oh man, we need that so bad, then do it gladly. The whole point here is that there is a part to play in this mission, in this serving the mission for every single every single one of us. And we, we really have to ask ourselves or come to this conclusion that serving in the mission is not something we have to do to be a Christian or to go to heaven. Jesus took care of that. But serving in the mission is what God has asked every single Christian to do. If you're not a Christian, obviously God wouldn't ask you to be involved in that. But he's asking every single Christian to be involved in serving this incredible mission throughout the the whole world. And this series, you know, we don't have to, but we get to. 
here's the problem. Here's, here's the point. Here's the deal we kind of run into, honestly. I mean, if we just all be honest with ourselves, most of us here know this. Maybe not all of us. Some of you maybe never knew you had a part. But most of us know this. As a matter of fact, most of us would say, I should be involved. Most of us. I know I should be. Is that you? I, I know I should be. I know. And if I were to ask you, then how come you're not? Most likely, you would say, I don't know. Now, now wait a minute. I know I should be involved, but I'm not. And I don't really know why I'm not. But there's a lot of reasons, okay? And if it's for a season, there can be many reasons. But generally speaking, I think it comes down to this. I think it comes down to because we just don't have this attitude. It really comes down to I don't see this as I get to. I see this as a challenge. I see it as a struggle. I see it as too much work. I see it as I'm too busy and I have to say no to something else and I can't. We, we don't, we just, it's an attitude that we just don't have. The attitude of, I want to. And, and if we're not involved, it's probably because I just don't have that attitude, that thought of, I want to. I want to. Most of us don't want to. And I don't know how exactly we get the want to, but I can share my story with you. God has developed in me a want to. And uh, here's kind of how it happened to me. I grew up uh, going to church kind of often, quite often, not always, but I totally believed in God. I knew Jesus died on a cross for sins, that kind of thing. I mean, I kind of, I, I understood, I, I knew that, but I never really put it together of why. And I personally was never a bad guy compared to some of you, but uh, I wasn't a, a God follower in any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, I, was, I was pretty young um, up until I was probably my very early 20s. I lived just with the attitude of, God, you stay there, I'll stay here. I believe you're there, but I don't care what you say. I've, I don't care what you say, and I'm certainly not going to do what you say to do. I'll do what I want to do. If I agree with you, then that just works out good. That's cool. And I don't want to pursue you. I don't really need you. And my attitude kind of was, since I'm not as bad as some of you, I will go to heaven when I die and everything's cool. God and I are cool. And that's just how I thought. Until I heard the truth. Until I heard somebody articulate very well the whole point of Jesus and why he came. I believe he came, but I never, it, never, it never clicked for me. He came for me. I, I never, I got that. And when I got that, I realized, which I think so many of us don't realize, I mean, at least the, the world and our culture don't realize this, and that is that every single person deserves hell. We just don't think that. I mean, I was a pretty good guy. Yeah, I stole some things and sold drugs and cars and stuff, but I did it nice. <laughs> I was nice about it. I was kind to people, except when I stole something from them. But even if I, w I would still be kind and nice, and I thought, well, I'm not that bad. I certainly didn't see myself as deserving hell until I realized and understood 
what this Christian thing is all about. It all is about this, that every single human being says, God, I will do my own thing. I, I don't care what you say. I don't. Every one of us has done that. And when I understood that, what was the result of that? I thought it was just okay because I'm not as bad as you. But guess what? I was wrong. I was wrong. The Bible tells us, Jesus came to tell us this, that what you deserve for doing this to God of the universe who created you, and some of us have done really worse than that, that you deserve eternal separation from God, that he is absolutely holy and pure and righteous and just, and I'm not. And that there is a separation for all human beings that, that aren't right as God. So God sent Jesus to take upon himself the penalty that I deserve. He took upon himself so that I could be right with God. And here's the point that I really, this is, this is the attitude changer for me. I pondered what the Bible says. The Bible talks about hell more than it does heaven. We don't talk about hell much in our culture. I know it's a little bit offensive, but hell is a very real place. And hell is a very punishment place. It's a painful place. It's the opposite of God. If we don't want God, then we don't get God. We get the opposite. And when I realized that I was heading for hell and didn't even know it, going 90 miles an hour down a dead-end street and didn't realize it, that my destiny, there was nothing I could do about it, my destiny was an eternal lake of fire where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there is emptiness that we can't even imagine an emptiness. There is a blackness that you can't see. The, the blackness is so black where the hopelessness is panicking, a panic, frightful hopelessness for absolute ever. When I realize that that's what the Bible describes as hell, and I deserve to go there, but I'm not going to because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did, I personally am going to the, gl the glory of God where there is life and love and there, there is fullness and, and friendship and, and fellowship, glory, beauty, all of that forever. And I went from that to that because somebody told me what I didn't know. And for me, it changed my want to. Because after that time, every single person I see, I, I wonder, where are you going? This hell is real. And, so, and, 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 and you need to know. Every single person needs to know. You need to know this. And I became a part of this mission that God has to let the whole world know what they don't know. They don't know it. Somebody's got to tell them, and I want to be a part. I want to be a part of this thing, telling people what the future holds, and it's real, and it's eternal. And actually, since... The history of this church, we have seen hundreds, I don't, I don't know the number, hundreds of people change from an eternal destiny in hell forever. No hope of escape. No, I mean, I, 
I can't even think about it without panicking. And their destinies change to a glorious eternal life in the blessing of God's presence forever. We've seen hundreds of people make that choice because we as a church have bought into this mission of spreading this message to people, as many as we can. There is a, uh, a guy, his name is John Gordy. John Gordy came to this church one time because his family invited him. And they, they invited him to come, and uh, he was gracious enough to come. And he didn't even make it through the whole service. He got so angry that he left. He walked out. He got so angry, and Jesus is the only way stop. And just, I mean, just, it was, he was, he was mad. Anyway, his family didn't give up on him. They actually kept inviting him. It took a while. Actually, it was several years later that John decided to come back. And this, this could have been any church that's doing the mission, but he, he came back here and he uh, listened to messages and messages and messages. And one day, the light bulb went up. One day, he got it. One day it clicked. I deserve punishment because I am against God. I, I'm not with God. I deserve this. Jesus, who didn't deserve it, took it for me. So now that I can, I'm getting something I never worked for, never deserved, never. It was a gift of Jesus Christ doing this for me. And, I, and he put his trust in that and his life absolutely changed. This man went from very serious kind of to just the most happiest, wonderful, smiling all the time, positive. He was in church every week and he was involved. He was just doing all of that stuff. He was, it changed his life. But then he was diagnosed with ALS, a disease that took him quickly, six months. And while every week he came, he was suffering more and more. He was in a wheelchair. And every week, all he could do was smile. He really did. Something in here changed where he was connected with God. And Gordy passed away several years ago, but even to this day, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, John Gordy, even to this day, his children sometimes say, I'm so glad that he came to church and heard the message. I'm so glad he discovered what he didn't know because now he is in heaven forever and he deserved hell. And that is because Christian people engage they serve in this mission called reaching the lost it's the mission of god it's called christianity spreading this message but probably the story that is closest to my heart is jim and mary underdahl jim and mary are my in-laws my wife's parents and i love them dearly they passed away uh, two christmases ago one day apart, just fell down dead. And as I, as I look at them and see the pictures were at the funeral, my heart is just uh, rejoicing and glad. But it wasn't always that way. See, Jim and Mary, they were church people too, like many people, but they didn't, they didn't get it. 
they, they thought being right with God was doing certain things and following certain rules. And they went through what the church said to, to be baptized and confirmed and that kind of thing. And that was their trust was in that. They tried really hard to be good people and they were pretty kind people and generous people and nice people. But when Sue and I, my wife and I, uh, became Christians in our early 20s, they, there was a rift between our relationship because what they couldn't understand or didn't understand or didn't want to understand was our view of Jesus because Jesus is the one who makes us right with God and not all of that stuff. And they didn't understand that. And they were a little bit, our relationship was very much strained with Jim and Mary. And uh, we kept inviting them to church. My wife really kept inviting them the most and talking to them about little things. Jim and Mary came to church. They came to church here uh, years ago. And as much as they struggled for a while, couldn't stand the music, okay? They just couldn't stand the music. Uh, but they kept coming. You know why they kept coming? Because the people were friendly. They came here because you created an atmosphere that they kind of enjoyed. They developed a few friendships, so they kept coming. And uh, the church did some things, that the, some activities that they liked to be involved in and stuff, and they kept coming. And after a while, it clicked for them. It clicked. I deserve hell. Because God is holy and pure, and I'm not. That's why Jesus died. The righteous one took on unrighteous so that we could be righteous in God's sight. And they got it, and they understood it. And it changed their world. It changed their life. As a matter of fact, Jim and Mary, the last three years, I would say, of their life, they, all they wanted for their kids was for their kids to, to go to church, to understand this relationship with God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. At Christmas and everywhere, he, he, Jim especially would always do this speech, which he wasn't really good at. However, his heart just poured out. You need to know God and Jesus did this for us and be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's where life is and that's everything. And then they passed away suddenly. And I am so glad. I can't even tell you. Church. Made the difference. They're in glory. They're in glory experiencing God's presence forever. Because there were, because Jesus died for them, but there were people who created an atmosphere, created a place for them to come, and they felt welcome, and they felt friends, and they enjoyed it. They now are in heaven forever, and they could have been in hell forever because of a church that gave themselves serving in this mission. A church that said, I get to. I get to do this and change eternities while I get to it. I am a recipient of what you have done because they are in heaven today. Thank you for what you've done. But there's one other thing that's kind of changed. Changed my want to. That I get to do this. And, 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 that, is, and that is this. And I think if you've been around here, you've heard Shaheen say this several times. I think it's one of his mantras. He kind of talks about this being the impetus of things 
And, and it says this, because, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God, to give your service to God because of all he has done for you. Because of what God has done for you, serve him, give him your, it's your, it's your worship. He said, let them be a living, our bodies, a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The way to worship God, the way, the way to say thank you to God is to just think of everything that God has done for you. I know when I think about that, it changes my want to. I know that God has taken me from not knowing what I didn't know and thinking I was right to discovering what I didn't know, what he knew, and that what was right. And, and God has taken away this. I, I tell you, my whole life, I just had this worthless self-worth feeling. God has taken that away. God's presence has taken that away. That what, what God has done for me, given me eternal life, changing my heart, that the addictions that I was in, and I still have issues, but hey, the, the drugs and the alcohol and the stuff that I, have, I no longer grip my life, I've been set free from these things. And I just think that everything God has done for me, the natural response is, what can I do for you? You died for me. What kind of person wouldn't say, is there anything I can do for you? You have set me free. You've filled me with joy in my life. You've changed my fear. You've taken away. Thank you. What, what can I do for you? Is a motivator. And I, and I think that, you know, God is an is individual God for every one of us. But generally speaking, God would tell every one of us, what can you do for me? Rescue others. Reach up. Do what I, my heart is to reach others, to show others what they don't know and to reveal that to them. If you want to do something for me, get involved in the mission that I set for the church to do. I want you, each one of us, each one of us to think about this. After everything God has done for you, isn't this the natural response?